You are listening to episode 12 of the Design Influence with Albie Knows. With an unwavering faith and charming Southern style, designer Cheryl Luckett has built a brand that is hard to miss and even harder not to love. Southern Home describes her style as opulence and reach, and I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm super honored to say that she is today's guest, and I know that you guys are going to completely love this conversation. In 2012, Cheryl launched Dwell by Cheryl Interiors on a mission to transform her clients' houses into homes, but homes that were not only pleasing to the eye, but provided a sense of well-being both inside and out, which makes sense because prior to pursuing interior design, for more than 15 years, Cheryl worked at a Fortune 500 company in Charlotte, North Carolina as a registered dietitian. See the connection with the wellness there? <laughs> and then later as a human resources professional in diversity and inclusion. After much prayer and consideration, she realized that design wasn't just her passion, it was her purpose, and so she decided to take it on full-time. Having had her work published in Charlotte Home and Garden, Southern Home, and Hoffman Media's Southern Spaces, just to name a few, it's no wonder Cheryl has been able to parlay her passion into a design brand and a brand that has accolades that include being named one of the 15 best designers in Charlotte by Bill Direct, serving as a brand ambassador for New York, North Carolina-based Revolution Performance Fabrics, being one of the featured designers participating in Southern Home Magazine's Julian Price Home Showhouse in Greensboro, North Carolina, and launching the Belle by Cheryl Collection for Sylvester Alexander. She's got it going on. (laughs) With experience in transitioning careers, leveraging social media as a marketing tool, and securing major long-term collaborations, today's conversation is one I know you're going to want to listen to twice. Once for the laughs and once for the lessons. Welcome to The Design Influence, a show dedicated to changing the conversation and creating impact on and offline. The Design Influence is all about you, the online designpreneur, helping you be a better designer and entrepreneur in this new digital landscape. I'm your hostess with the mostest, online interior designer, content creator, and nonstop idea machine, Albie of Albie Knows Online Interior Design. If you're ready for some candid and caffeinated conversations about everything from decoding interior design tools to growing pains as an entrepreneur to figuring out what the heck it means to be an influencer, then turn up your earbuds and let's dive in. All right, today I am super, super excited because I am hanging out with the amazing Cheryl Luckett. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So I've already told our listeners all about why I stand for you, but in your own (laughs) words, give them a quick and dirty of who you are and what you're all about. Okay. So um, obviously my name is Cheryl Luckett. I own a boutique uh, residential design firm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, This is actually the end of my seventh year in business. Um, I think I'm not 
unique in that I came from a completely different career before um, beginning my design business. I actually had a side hustle. Um, Design was my side hustle for about five years when I worked in the corporate space. Actually, I'm a dietitian by trade. So I worked for the world's largest food service company, and I worked there for 15 years. And um, I started out as a dietitian in our school division where I basically planned school menus and did training and, you know, kind of helped school meals become a little healthier. And then I transitioned into HR for the final five years of my tenure at the company as I started to explore my other interests, which in this case was design. So I went back to school and worked on the side, building my business. And after five years of doing all of those things, I made the leap. And, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time of recording, actually, um, you recently shared an Instagram post that I read and I thought it was super powerful. And you talk about your seven years. You had just treated yourself with a, a brand new right hand <laughs> ring um, with seven vintage diamonds. It's stunning. And Thank it was you. Really representing, if I'm not mistaken, each stone was for a year in your business. Yes. So, you know, that that's something that I felt like I should share. And I'll be honest with you, I hesitated um, because I didn't know how it would be received. Like, I didn't want people to think I was just wanted them to know I was getting a diamond ring. <laughs> but I, I thought I thought for a minute, you know, I'm probably not the only person who struggles with actually rewarding yourself and celebrating your wins. I've had kind of an epic year and it just, for me, I felt like it warranted a pause to say, okay, hey, let's stop. Let's stop achieving for a second and <laughs> let's stop running toward a goal long enough to say, wow, this was a really great year. We did some fantastic things and I'm proud of me. <laughs> so that's kind of what that was about. It just so happened that I found a vintage ring that had seven diamonds and it's the end of my seventh year. Um, I guess it was fate. But I think that for me, that was much more about, less about the diamond ring and more about how can I have a memento that kind of commemorates this this um, this year of leveling up, mm-hmm. I guess I would call it. And I mean, and that's why it was so powerful to me, because like you said, sometimes we're so busy chasing the next thing. We mm-hmm. don't take a minute to celebrate ourselves. And this actually reminds me of a recent conversation I had. We'll celebrate babies and weddings mm-hmm. and kind of those life things with mm-hmm. jewelry. There's you know, push mm-hmm. gifts and all this other yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Leveling up in business, that, that yep. is a big deal, especially as you're an entrepreneur. You know, when you work for a corporation, when you retire, they give you a watch. Yeah, or they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So why mm-hmm. can't you treat yourself? So I thought that that's really why it kind of it got caught my attention. At no point, and so I'm pretty sure all your followers probably would agree. At no point did I think, "Oh, she's buying a diamond ring." Mm. It was more <laughs> so like this. This makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought yeah. it was. I'm glad you shared it because um, I think more people should stop and celebrate their amazing wins. And you really did have a super amazing year. And th- it's something that you know people hear designer and they're like, "Oh, they work with clients." They, mm-hmm have this one-on-one service 
but a lot of your wins was like beyond mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. working with mm-hmm. clients and just having um some projects but before i kind of like dive really deep into this awesomeness you talked about your background in corporate america yeah um we have listeners who are probably listening while they're at their job yep (laughs) (laughs) been there done that (laughs) yeah they are working on that side hustle how did you get over any kind of maybe apprehension or worries to make that commitment to follow your passion a very good question and it for me it did not happen overnight i am uh, a type a crazy perfectionist overachiever and so it took me a while to get my head wrapped around leaving my perceived security um you know i had 15 years tenure at at a fortune 500 company i mean they don't make it easy for you to leave Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it, it i worked Honestly, I worked for a couple of years before I could even fathom leaving. But it got to a point where I loved it so much and it was growing at such a rate that it became harder and harder to ignore. Um, At the same time, um, I think I had reached 10 years and I was starting to get tapped on the shoulder by execs at work who were saying, okay, you know, we want to talk about your development. And so I felt like I was at a crossroads where I I needed to make a decision. Am I going to climb this corporate ladder or do I want to do something else? And so when I kind of had that come to Jesus, the the answer was for me, I think I want to do something else. And so it was at that point that I began getting strategic uh, about an exit strategy. Game plan in place. Yes. And so this this is over the course of years. So this I didn't wake up and say, you know what, I want to be a designer and I'm going to quit my job. No, this took five years <laughs> from the time that I said, I think I'm going to start a little blog and maybe decorate for these people at my church <laughs> um, to the time that I put in my letter of resignation. There were five years. Two of those years were, can I ever leave this job? Really? And then the last three were, I'm leaving this job. Really? <laughs> so and that's when you start to put a plan in place. Yeah. So I actually called it Project 36. I named it. I was like, I, I need I need a date. I need a drop dead date because that's just how I work. Give me the goal. What are we shooting for? So two years in, I once I decided I think I want to do something else. I said, OK, I'm giving myself 36 months. Clock starts now. And it started on January 1st. Um, and I worked for the next 36 months to put in everything that would make me at least moderately comfortable with leaving my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is amazing because sometimes once we get that bug, that itch, it's so hard to resist just diving headfirst and going straight for it. And you, you, you give you two yeah. weeks and you're out the door. But I love oh. that you still had that discipline. And this was during the time where you had transitioned from the dietitian role and uh-huh. the HR role, correct? Yep, yep. And I did that because it freed up some time. Mm. Um, I, the dietitian role was actually a regional position, so I traveled a lot. And it was just, you you, you know, when you do business travel, you just don't have a whole lot of spare time. Yeah. Um, and so taking a role at our corporate headquarters kind of allowed me at least to have my evenings, which mm-hmm. is when I went back to school. And so, so I would- Stay home and focus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really put your plan into place. Yep. And so, and so that, that planning, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
no, no, um, no. I want, I want, I want you to finish what you're about to say. I feel like it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just was saying that that plan. You know, for me, a large part of the angst was obviously financial. So that plan included everything from, okay, let me get the education that I think I need. Let me let me build brand aware. Let me develop a brand and let me build some awareness around it. But also, let me get my financial house in order. Um, you know, let me hire a financial planner and let let her know that in 36 months I'm leaving my job. I need you to tell me everything I need in place before I do that. Mm. And so that was a part of the plan. So it wasn't just about, you know, me getting my business ready. It was also about me getting my finances ready, my my um, brand strategy to get all of those things. Let me. It, it also involved me investing in the business while I had the funds <laughs> readily available to do so. So, I mean, yeah, my my day job financed my side hustle for sure. And you actually um, answered or more or less answered my next question, which is for where you are now in your business, was this essentially part of the plan? And it sounds like it was in terms of building a brand, making sure you had all those necessary pieces in place so that it could once you were on your own, it would be a business yeah. built as opposed to I'm still kind of scrounging through entrepreneurship. Right. And that, that was important to me. I wanted to know that, okay, once I leave this place, is my phone going to still ring? Mm-hmm. And I felt like the the way to, I guess you can never ensure that, but the way to, to feel like that was probably probable Um was to ensure that my name was out there, you know, to have a, a kind of a significant following at that point, to have created some demand before making that leap. So you could still have that security because I can't imagine it's easy to walk away from 15 years tenure where you're secure. You know you're good yeah. 401k, yeah. retirement, yeah. all that yeah. jazz. Right. You know, you don't want to walk away from that and essentially start at zero. Yeah, so you still want to keep that security going. Sure, and I'll be honest, it is never easy. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> for all that planning. It still wasn't easy, and it still isn't easy for to today. But I think there was a certain level of of comfort um, that I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't starting at ground zero. Because that's usually where the hardest part of entrepreneurship yep. starts to really. Yep. Um, kick in so once you kind of make it past that you know the the infancy years so to speak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like things start to feel a little bit easier and what I love is that you didn't just build your career just designing you know you yeah. are now doing more than just client work and projects so for anyone who doesn't know Cheryl is a brand ambassador and recently debuted a collection of her own but I, I'll let you t- I'll let you tell people all about those <laughs> and then we can yeah it. you know i'd love to see say that both that those things were a part of my strategic plan <laughs> but they really <laughs> they really weren't um so i mentioned earlier that one of the things that uh was important to me was to build that brand awareness and so i started with that very early on um you know from the time i launched the blog back in at the start of 2012 I worked hard to kind of define a brand and to put it out there. And social media was the vehicle that I used to to drive most of that awareness. And uh, it allowed me to go to work every day 
but to at least from a visibility standpoint, look as if I were working in a space that full time that I wasn't. And so I, I had such regularity with it. I mean, I literally remember waking up on a weekday morning and thinking, okay, I'm going to post this before I leave. And then at lunch, I'm going to post this. And then, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I really wanted it to, not discipline. that I was, right. There wasn't smoke and mirrors because I was very, also very upfront about the fact that I, I had a full-time job, but I was so disciplined and regular with it that it appeared that I was working in a space long before I actually was doing so full-time. Mm-hmm. And that helped to build um, an awareness around my brand um, early on, and that in turn lead led to the brand partnerships. Mm-hmm. So those uh, both of those opportunities were not things that were that I sought out. Um, that was just from having my name out there, from people resonating with what I you know what I'm sharing, and then reaching out to me. And was it um, a combination of your blog? And just to be clear, your blog is still up and running and still it, blogging. And- it, it is. I, I, when I started the blog, I blogged three times a week. And I look back and think, what in the, how did <laughs> I do that? I mean, I'm doing good if I can get one blog out a month now. I, but I, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is still up and running for what it's worth. Um, is obviously not the top priority. Yeah. But I do, I do feel like it's important to be to you know stay true to my roots so to speak what helped you build that brand awareness as you said so it's not something you can necessarily just drop like a hot potato yeah yeah so the brands really were flocking to you because you had the blog and you had this amazing service and I think I think part of the reason the two brands that I've I have partnerships with now I think really what what drew them to me is that we had um, some similarities in our company. Both of them are family-owned companies. Um, I'm very upfront on social media about my faith, um, kind of who I am, what I stand for. And in both of these cases, that aligns with the, the companies that I've partnered with. They're smaller North Carolina-based companies who are in growth modes. And so we just, we kind of hit it off online, I guess. Aligned, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so because I was sharing those things, they were able to say, you know, we we like this girl <laughs> and <laughs> we like what she stands for. And it kind of reminds us of what who we are and what we stand for. And so that's that's why I think it's so important to be authentic um in what you're sharing, um, to not necessarily try and mimic someone else's style because you never know who you're going to draw to you by being yourself right and then it it becomes a very organic relationship that just makes sense and works yeah because if you were doing more of the same or kind of just look like everybody else like Mm -hmm. how do you stand out like who is cheryl so i I think that um it's that's something that i'm definitely glad you mentioned because i'm sure people are listening and they're like you know wondering well how do I attract brands or how do I make myself stand out and it's literally mm-hmm. just being you be like you. it sounds be so you. cliche yep. but it's I know literally, you can be the you're the only one that can be you <laughs> yep absolutely so, and this is something that you started from day one and you built you know again five years you said it was before mm-hmm. that you kind of went off on your own 
And so these two relationships, one is a, and do you mind if I say who they are? No, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. So one's a brand ambassadorship with Revolution Fabrics. And mm-hmm. for anyone who does not know, can you clarify what it means to be a brand it, ambassador? Well, in in my case, we developed it together. <laughs> so I, I, I was approached by Revolution um, probably couple of months after I had gone out on my own, I'm literally working out of my house, plugging away. And this company that's fairly local to where I live reached out and said, Hey, we're starting this new performance fabric brand. We're a family owned company. You know, we've been in business since the sixties. We now are making our product available to the public and to the design trade. And we love for you to come to our factory, take a tour and meet with us. And so um, I'm sure they probably sent out that same email to to a number of designers in my area. Well, um, I took them up on the offer and said, huh, yeah, that sounds interesting. So I went for a day and visited their headquarters. They they took me on a factory tour. I learned all about their product. I you know thought thought it was great. Thought they were great. Uh, asked for some samples and then as a result started using their product in my projects. Well, about three months or so went by, and they reached out and said we'd like to have lunch. Um, a couple things we want to talk to you about. I didn't think anything of it. Um, until actually I was headed to the restaurant and I thought, why am I having lunch with these? <laughs> like, at, at that point, it dawned on me, what could they possibly want to have lunch with me for? So I got there and they, they basically said, we, we've been watching you for the past couple of months. We really like what you're doing. We love that you work with families. Um, we love that you, your approach to design. Um, we feel like your business values are aligned with ours and we want to help you grow and we want you to help us grow. And we are thinking about developing this role and we'd like for you to help us develop it. And that's kind of, that's literally how the conversation began. So they didn't come to me with a defined role for what an ambassador looked like. Um, they said, help, what, what do you think it should look like? And so we just literally sat down um, and discussed it and came up with some parameters and uh, a structure. And that's how it was born. And they have grown. That's been about a year and a month now. Mm-hmm. And they've really grown by leaps and bounds. Actually, we our, both of our businesses have grown by leaps and bounds <laughs> since that time. Both of you. <laughs> Right. And I think that was the whole point um, of of collaborating. And so their business is growing. Their brand is growing. They've ex- I'm now not the only ambassador that they have. They've expanded that program. And so it's been it's been really great to be in on that growth and to see it happen and to be a part of it. Um, I think it kind of strengthens our alliance. Because you've been growing essentially, you know, at the same pace, simultaneously mm-hmm. supporting mm-hmm. one another. I mean, two obviously different businesses, but it, it's a perfect fit. It's almost like when you have your design bestie, you know, yep. you're just kind of yep. leaning into each other and the growth happens together. Right, right. And, so and I think is- that it's it says something about the fact that, I mean, there are, there are lots of companies, right, 
who are in the design industry. Um, not all of them are big players, <laughs> but they all probably would be open to growth. So I would say for those who are who are listening, um, think think about the brands that you use on a on a daily basis, and these don't have to be huge names or titans in the industry. Um, there may be opportunities to, to develop some collaborations, even on a smaller scale. And I've found, you know, those to be valuable. I, I love that you said that because I, especially now, just in this age of influencer marketing, social media, mm-hmm. it's so easy to think big and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But sometimes it's like mm-hmm. that small company who's, mm-hmm. you know, growing right alongside with you you guys can grow and become big together so i, yep. I love that you yep. said that like think sometimes locally or who you're yep. regularly working with you don't have to skip straight ahead to the titans yeah <laughs> of the industry absolutely so this is more than just you know partnering on a few events or some content or some projects here and there this is a long-term trusted relationship yeah, yeah, we are we're in a relationship. <laughs> like like um, you know, I talked with someone there this morning. So and and it, it it's a very organic relationship. While we have an, a written agreement, um we are in partnership together. And I'll give you an example. So so yes, part of what I do is promote their brand, you know, it, it and that means utilizing their product in my projects, which I already did. So it's not a reach for me. I love their product. So why would I not use it? Um, and then when I do, of course, publicizing the fact that I used it. So that's part of it. Um, the other part is being available um, when they have a show of some sort, you know, as the ambassador, um, I, I might attend a conference and uh, be a vendor alongside them or, um, you know, those, those kinds of things that you yeah. would expect. But it also involves me taking them along with me when I get an opportunity. So I was in my first designer show house at the beginning of the year. And my first thought, because I had this fairly new partner was, okay, I'm designing this room for this show house. There's publicity attached to it. How can I then bring my partner along with me to, you know, share in some of that, that success and exposure? So, and that's exactly what I did. And so that just to those, those opportunities, I think just further strengthens the relationship. Because you're bringing them along. And like you said, that's that's something that's an amazing opportunity that maybe they would have been a part of on their own. Maybe they wouldn't have, but you're there. Mm-hmm. And so as a brand ambassador, why not? If you include them in client projects. Why not include them in the show house? Yes, absolutely. So yep. I, I love that. And because th- a lot of times, you know, people hear the term brand ambassador, but it's something that get, get, kind of gets thrown around and it's used in so many different contexts. And even though this is something, a role that you guys develop together, you know, at the core of it, it's really just developing this long-term, very organic, give uh-huh, and take uh-huh. kind of relationship with a brand. Yep. And so because they are new in the space um, that they're in, um, they're they lean on their ambassadors to kind of guide them in product selection. For example, last week I attended the um, 
the International Textiles Alliance Showtime, which is the precursor to High Point Market, which is the big fabric show. And so, of course, they're a fabric manufacturer, so they show at Showtime. And part of my role being there was to help select fabrics that they were debuting to be put on the online store to be available in the marketplace to the consumer and to designers. So let's say they created 200 new fabrics for this uh, fall. Um, My job then is to go in and say, okay, if you want to put 40 of these new fabrics on the online portal, these are the ones that I would select. And so they're, they're, yeah, right, right. They're utilizing my expertise in the marketplace to say, okay, these are, these are on trend. This is probably what is most sellable of what you've, you've put out. And, you know, there's value in that. And I would say that there are probably more companies that can use that expertise uh, of a designer. Absolutely. And and I, I guess that really, so for the designer who's setting their sights on developing this type of relationship, one of the ways they can start to lay that foundation is, like you said, who are you using regularly? Um, it could be mm-hmm. small, it could be local, but who mm-hmm. are you like genuinely in love with, so to speak, in terms of a yep. brand and who your values align with? That was a big part yep. of this relationship for you as well. Totally. And so yep. they're not your only... Um, new relationship i actually had the pleasure of seeing your new collection at high point i missed the the launch party but you know it's okay (laughs) (laughs) i did get to see the collection and it is the bell by cheryl collection for sylvester alexander so how did that come about yeah so in the very same way actually (laughs) um so interesting right um I know another family-owned company uh, based in my area. They actually had been following me um, on social media for a, for a while, maybe a year or so or more. And I can recall because I was attending one of the High Point markets and I got a DM from them saying, hey, I see you're in this building. <laughs> Um, please stop by and see us. And I mean, High Point Market is like, you're going 90 to nothing. Like the schedule is crammed. And I didn't actually did not get a chance to go by there and speak with them. But uh, their marketing person is fantastic. And she reached out to me after High Point Market and said, hey, I'd love to sit down with you and share our products our product line with you. And so I think it was approaching the holidays and I basically was really honest with her and said, Hey, look, I'm super swamped. Can you please reach out to me at the beginning of the year? And so she did the first, literally the first day back, um, sitting at my desk, catching up on hundreds of emails and they call and, um, she's basically interested in sitting down and talking about their product line, but she also, mentions that um, they're going to be participating in a show house and wondered if I might be interested. And so that they are actually the, the connecting point for me for the show house as they were a furniture sponsor for it. Right. So, so, uh, you know, that kind of, we connected the dots there. And then, so I was 
uh, one of the designers selected for the show house. I used their furniture. Shortly after that, they came to me and said, you know, one of our goals was to be in a show house this year with our furnishings. Our other goal is to have a licensed product line with the designer. And uh, we like your brand. We like what you're doing. We feel like your values align with ours. I'm like, this sounds kind of familiar. Um, You know, is that something you'd be interested in? Well, I mean, of course. So that's kind of how that conversation began. But it was all born out of that social media presence and, um, you know, me kind of showing who I am and what I do and, and them feeling like it was a good match for what they were all about. And that is so that's where it started. To, one, you just always being your true authentic self and that one self attracted these two huge opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you never mm-hmm. had to, yeah. I mean, you weren't even pitching yourself or anything like that. It's just Not at all. Yourself they have the same values and everything fell into place. And so yep. they already had um, one of their goals they said to you was to create, you know, a licensed um, collection mm-hmm. for the designer who already has maybe a longstanding relationship with furniture makers. You know, how can mm-hmm. they parlay that into possibly a collection? Yeah, so... Um... Well, I think there's a there's a couple of things. Well, first of all, there's there needs to be an understanding that it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, I had no idea. Uh, and it may even have been a little bit more work because this wasn't a huge conglomerate. This is not a massive company. You know, this is a family-owned fine upholstery company in Hickory, North Carolina. Um, So there was a lot of roll up your sleeves and let's figure this out together where, you know, if you're dealing with maybe a Titan in the industry, they've got departments that, (laughs) that are in charge of doing these kinds of things. Right. So I think there needs to be an understanding of the level of, of uh, work that's, that's required you know, to, to pull it off. Um, So are are you talking from literally from the tangible, like the sketching and designs and everything from like just the very finite details to the actual execution? Can you? Yeah, sure. So one of the things, you know, from the very, very, very beginning, it was clear that I hadn't done this and they hadn't either. So, So we are, we are, it's the blind leading the blind, right? I've seen it done. But only from the outside. Okay, so um, thank heavens I have a coach who kind of helped to guide <laughs> us through the process. But they're all, that also meant that for me to do it at the level that I wanted to do it, there were, there were things that needed to be in place. Like, for example, you know, the, the initial sketches. Um, I remember saying, hey, we're going to need renderings. And they're like, oh, well, you can just, you know, show us what what you want us to do and we could we do it all the time no that i understand that and i have no doubt that you you could build whatever i've you know throw on a napkin <laughs> or you know or pull together on a pinterest board but those renderings are then going to become marketing materials mm-hmm. at the end so we we need let's go ahead and do those things up front then so that's one very small example the need to kind of do things in a process so that the output on the end, you're able to utilize some of those things you did on the front end. 
So that's one example. The other is from a marketing standpoint, you know, I knew that part of the essence of what we were creating was the story behind it. And because of that, so the collection is, you know, Southern inspired, you know, each piece connects to a part of my journey, you know, represents where I'm from, who I am, my family, my faith, you know, where I went to school, the importance of my culture. So I had to be able to tell that through the marketing. Well, that meant uh, photography on several levels. So that meant brand photography because I needed to encapsulate the, the, the um, essence of the brand visually. So that's, that's one piece. And then, you know, then there's product photography, right? Cause we need it in context. So um, yeah, I just, I, I feel like it's all those there were a lot of pieces that we were learning together. But I think that's also probably what ended up making it a success. You know, no one was kind of taking the charge and dragging someone along. It was, right. we're, we're doing this together. Yep. Yep. Now, are there plans for another collection or was this kind of like a, a capsule um, kind of thing? Well, so so our agreement is um, to show at two high point markets. So I will be showing again at spring. Um and then we'll, you know, we'll we'll look and see what happens after that. Um, but it's an it's an um, and renewable agreement, so it's, it's a beautiful collection. Well, thank you so much. It was fun to create, um, and and quite honestly, really cool to see something developed from literally scratch. <laughs> so um, to finish, how long did this take? Not that long. <laughs> it's kind of scary when you think about oh, it. <laughs> I don't. I don't recommend <laughs> this methodology at all. Uh, but we probably conversations started. I'd say in March. We probably didn't have a formal agreement until the end of May, and we debuted in October. So it. It, it was yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. Um, um, lot of lots of run dozen pieces in the collection. Yeah, so there, it's a five piece collection. Yeah. There are uh, two banquets, two settees, and an upholstered Parsons mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's even just for a small collection. That is a quick turnaround. It is. <laughs> it's really, really well. Yeah way quicker than it probably should have been but you know it was all hands on deck and they were they were awesome to work with um yeah it really was it was a lot of hard work but extremely rewarding now correct me um but your collection features um i don't know um revolution fabrics correct it does and so again that's that opportunity to strengthen the partnership one of the things that i wanted to do as part of the marketing of the line was to collaborate with my, some of my Southern designer friends since it was a you know Southern inspired line. Um, I tapped several designers uh, across the South who have fabric lines. Um, and so Denise McGahey for Design Legacy, um, Wendy O'Connor, who's an abstract artist in Charlotte, um, and Kim Hoger out of Dallas, Texas, they all have textile lines. And so I featured their fabrics on my furnishings. And of course, I also featured uh, Revolution Performance Fabric on, on a I piece. 
So yeah. you're getting the best of both worlds, yep. so to speak. And yep. you're, you're building on each other. Obviously, they both love you. So their values are in line. And so it just it made sense. It was kind of like a no-brainer, it sounds like. Yep. And so the final piece is that I'll be making the, the collection available um, online next week. I guess by the time this airs, it will be available online yes. at dwellbycheryl.com. And so the public can also have these these pieces, which would typically be only to the trade. So you'd only be able to order them through a designer. I'm making them available on my website in a select uh, curated selection of fabrics, performance fabrics, mostly. Um, and, you know, you could buy your heirloom piece of furniture from the, the Bell Collection online, white glove delivered to your door. So we've had fun kind of putting together the e-commerce side of things. <laughs> and that's actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the things I was going to ask. Is this something that's only available to the trade or can the general public now get their hands on it? And so by the time this is live, they will be. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And so I'll include all that information. But that is amazing. And that is really, even though it's like the same accomplishment, that's a whole new layer. To the I know. I, I'm learning. No I'm learning that. <laughs> And yeah, again, um, you know, these are the these are the things, though, that are growing pains, what I would call. I mean, it's a lot of work, yeah. but these are things that you want to learn on the front end, because when I have another line or another product or a book, you know, then you've already tackled these Learned. these obstacles. Right. And the, the structure is already in place. Um and so I think this, for me, this is, this is growing season. Um, I'm looking forward to reaping the harvest. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, like it really puts into context again, like you said, at the start of the show, why you had to take a pause and treat yourself mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. something because these are not small achievements. And this is all while you're still doing client work. Absolutely. Yeah. So how, how do you still show up in tip top shape? Because I'm exhausted. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, self care is important to me. Uh, it's something actually that I've learned over the past two years that I had to prioritize. It's it's this entrepreneurial journey is really eye opening um, and it's really different from working for someone else, you know, in ways that you don't even expect. Um, when you, when, when I worked at a corporation, there were built in things that I, I honestly took for granted that I now have to provide for myself, right? You know, vacation, right? Use it or lose it. So of course you're going to, I mean, if you're able to, you're going to use it. Yeah. So there's someone kind of forcing you to take the vacation, mm -hmm. right? You're not, they're, they're not going to open up the door on the weekend for you to get in the office. Like, so you're forced to, I mean, yeah, sure you could work from home, but to some degree you're forced, forced to take, to, to, to take, take a break, break right? Yeah. On the weekend, there's professional development. You know, you gotta go to the training class. You know, you, you've gotta take the online training. Those things are built in. So when you leave that infrastructure, you then have to provide that for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like no one's gonna make me develop. <laughs> I have to 
take that on myself. I've got to hire the coach or go to the class or attend the conference or sit, you know, sit through the seminar or log on to the webinar. That's my professional development. It's not mandated unless, unless I mandate it for myself. Yes. And I love that mindset because as you said, you know, I, I was just telling a girlfriend of mine who had kind of been working separate industry, but working really, really hard on building a business and she burnt herself out. And I said to her, I was like, well, there's a reason your old job gave you two weeks vacation. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And so yep. it's, it's the same thing that you said, you know, we get these vacations, sick days, the development, mm-hmm. the trainings, mm-hmm. the peer mm-hmm. mentorship, all these mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that we yes. never, we, we take for granted. And so I love that you are kind of building it into the way you run your business because it's you need it. Obviously, if if a big company thinks you need it, then yep. you need it. Then you, you need it. Absolutely. In place, um, are, are like a small firm, or is it um, just Cheryl? What does that look like for you? So another thing that I did this year, I told you, 2018 was was pretty epic for me. Um, I hired my first employee. Done yet? Well, at least at the time. Well, yeah, right. So um, I hired. I knew January. I I I can't do this by myself anymore. I'm I'm going to cap out pretty soon here, (laughs) and the the interns are great, but um, I just knew I needed some more help. And so um, I posted on social media that I was looking for a design assistant. Um, I think I had a link to a um, an application process online. Um, the, the application started to roll in. I host, hold, held phone interviews and in-person interviews. And this is one of the things that uh, perks of working in HR at a at a corporate uh-huh. <laughs> corporation, yeah, right? You, you take some process. of those, those lessons, right? Yeah. You, you take the processes and you apply them to your, your, uh, your small business and they, they still work. Uh, so I hired an assistant. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I've actually had a chance to speak to her. So yes, I can attest to how much she, I can imagine really contributes to. Yeah. She, she is great. And very different from me, and this is, I worked in diversity, I was a director of diversity and inclusion um, at the company that I left, and I found myself employing some of those same tactics Uh that we would teach in hiring my assistant, because our tendency, our natural tendency is to gravitate toward people who are like us. Uh It's our comfort zone. And my assistant is, (laughs) she's not (laughs) like me at all. Like we think differently. Um, We look different. We, but we are such great compliments to one another. Um, And so I was glad to be able to draw on some of that understanding of like difference is good. <laughs> like it's a good thing, you're right? right? You tend to just whatever it, you look like me, you sound like me, you move like mm-hmm. me. It's a natural mm-hmm. fit. But to your point, the fact that you're different, you're able to kind of ping pong off each other, kind of like the yin to your yang, so to speak. Yes. Yep. I, I yeah. love that, and that is something that you were able to successfully execute because of your previous career. So even though you transitioned right. to something totally different. You're still using those tactics in building your team, building brand relationships. Yep. It's still beneficial to you now. Absolutely. Now, Nothing is lost. This, <laughs> and that's, that's something that 
again, if you're listening and you're right now, you're at your full-time job, what lessons can you take from that job, no matter the industry it's in, that you can bring into when you branch out on your own? There's always a lesson that can translate into the next chapter, so to speak. Yep, right, right. I wanted to take a quick second out to thank you for listening to today's show. If you've made it this far, that means you like me. You really, really like me. And for that, I am beyond thankful. The design influence is all about you, the designpreneur. And so without you, there would be no show and there would be no design influence. So for us to keep growing, I need a favor from you. If you're not already subscribed, even though I really hope you are, I would love it if you go ahead and make things official between us and then share the show with your biz bestie, your design bestie, so that you guys can listen and discuss together. The more the merrier. And if you're really, really loving me and the show, I would appreciate it even more if you take another quick second out to rate and review the show. Those ratings and those reviews really help other amazing designpreneurs find the show so that we can all be in this together. And it also lets me know how I'm doing. So I really want to thank you so, so much again. I appreciate you for listening and for taking time out to make me a part of your day. And now let's get back into the conversation. Now, I was super, super honored this past High Point. You, in the middle of a launch, were one of the mentors for our Mentor and Mingle event. And for that, I mean, again, I don't know if I've thanked you enough, but that was something that was amazing. And I know the feedback was really, really good. You have a wealth of experience and information. Is mentorship something that um, is part of what you want to do? Is it something that's part of who you are for that next generation of designers? Yeah, it is. And so it it has been actually for a while. Um, it's something that I've spoken about on other podcasts and, and in um, some design publications. Um, it's important to me and, and, and perhaps it's my background in the corporate space or in diversity and inclusion. I just believe that we should be lifting as we climb. Um, the hard part for me is that I get so many requests and I, you, you know, you cannot, I want people to get my best. Yes. <laughs> and I can't, everybody can't be a yes. Uh, there's, there's not enough of me to go around, but I do feel like it's really important to connect yourself with, um, a mentor, um, and to also mentor Pete. There's always someone that's a few steps behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me right now, I, I do have a couple of people that I'm, mentoring uh one-on-one but that mentoring relationship i'm mentored by people who don't even know they're mentoring me yeah yeah (laughs) that you know with seriously with access to people in this day and age through Mm -hmm. podcasting uh youtube and social media and i mean you you basically can follow somebody around (laughs) without them even knowing it mentors in my head they don't know they're mentoring me but they are pivotal in what i'm doing I am all for that. I mean, I could tap some designers um, on the shoulder and let them know that, hey, I just want you to know your product line totally influenced how I launched my product line. They have no clue, but they were mentoring me through that process. Um, And so I think 
if you haven't found, because I do feel like it should be kind of an organic process because mentoring is a relationship, right? Just like a, a, a romantic relationship is not just going to work if you just say, hey, I want you to date me. <laughs> neither neither will, will. Right. Like, you, I mean, so I'm, I'm much more into it happening more organically mm-hmm. than, hey, I like you, I've seen you, and I want you to be my mentor. <laughs> but that said, there is nothing wrong with stalking somebody online and being like, I love how she does that. And let me, I want to know a little bit more about it. So let me do my due diligence and see if she's talked about that somewhere or, or if, you know, he's given a roadmap map to how you can accomplish X, Y, and Z. I, I think there's a value in that too. Mentors come in all shapes and sizes. Um, and those relationships come in all shapes and sizes. So don't feel like, you know, if someone has turned you down, or if you haven't had access to someone physically or, you know, haven't been able to team up with someone one-on-one, just start carefully watching people who you admire. I, I, I absolutely love that because so often we think we need that immediate access. But if you yep. just watch them long enough, you are learning, you are taking things in. And that is a form of mentorship. So I absolutely adore that that mindset and for the listener yeah. who has secretly just decided you're now their mentor in their head <laughs> <laughs> they've they've just decided what advice can you offer for really building that exceptional design brand because that's what you've done here you know whether it's for mm-hmm. getting new clients new brand partnerships what advice can you offer for that designer who's kind of still figuring out to start building their brand their design brand i think while i didn't under fully understand this when i started i definitely understand it now this is an inside job and so it's very hard for you to have the most successful business because our business really is creatives it's us right so spend some time getting yourself together like understanding your value and your worth and um, spend some time on wealth consciousness and just get, I think it's much easier to show up in the way that you want to show up and to ask for what you, what you deserve if you value who you are and what you are bringing to the table. And so, um, that's a lesson that I've gotten in the last two or three years, very loud and clear. And I do think it's helped me rise to the next level. Um, so the internal work, if in retrospect, I would, I would probably have started there. Um, secondly, I'd say if you're, especially if this is your side hustle, do it like it's not. Um, I never approached this like it was as if it were my side hustle. Even when I had a full-time job and was in middle management at some other company, I approached Dwell by Cheryl like it was my means for um, survival, for living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so that made me show up in a way that the perception was <laughs> that this was not my side hustle. So if that means hiring the graphic designer, you know, paying the web designer, uh, paying paying to have your your products professionally shot, um, you know, doing all of those, having some regularity around posting on social media, those things 
are what entrepreneurs do because they have to. Yes. This is your side hustle. You need to do those things too. Uh, yeah, it just, to me, it makes it, it makes the translation. Exactly. If that's the goal, then you can approach it as if it's your hobby. I love that. Or, or it will be. Yeah. I love that. Once you start thinking of the mindset of this is a business. Yeah. Then and then I'd say probably lastly, the, um, the mentorship and that can take many forms. I've, I have a coach now and have for the past uh, year or so that is an investment that I, I can't even tell you how valuable it has been. Um, so making the investment um, and the mentorship, you know, aligning yourself with people who are ahead of you and using them as a model for your growth, uh, I think that's essential as well from the very beginning, even if you don't, you don't know anybody personally, you don't have access to anyone in your town, that's fine. Latch on to someone online yeah. and, Instagram you know, and Facebook make it so much easier at, now. So easy. Um, especially if you do your due diligence, mm-hmm. like you'd be surprised what you could find out online that, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it's where, like, what conference should I go to? Right. That's a question mm-hmm. you might get, get, well, what conference are the people who you admire? What are they going to? Yeah. You know, like it, it, you can observe a lot by just watching, mm-hmm. watching, paying attention. Um, I, I still study. I mean, I, yeah, I study the people I admire. Yeah. They have no clue, but I do. <laughs> I do. That's okay. That's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We're, I, I, again, I think we're all, especially now with social media, we're all secretly admiring someone. I think. Yes. It, yes. It's foolish not to. And we're all works in progress, right? Mm-hmm. No one has, has really arrived. And if you have, oh, well, that's kind of sad. <laughs> like, I think we're all striving to be better. <laughs> if you stop, yeah. listening, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation in itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, there's probably a podcast for that. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll shelf that for another day. So I could talk to you all day. This has been amazing. And I feel like you've dropped so many gems. So for the person who wants to start stalking you immediately or sooner, where can they find you? (laughs) I am, I'm everywhere. Um, I am in some places with a little bit more regularity, but um, on all streams of social media, I'm Dwell by Cheryl. Um, So Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat, (laughs) online. Yeah. Dwell by Cheryl. That's all you need to know. And by the time this airs, it might be right before the next spring market. So your collection will be there as well. People will be able to see it, touch it. It'll all be on the yes. site. Yes, it will. That is exciting. So all that information I will leave in the show notes. Before we part ways, I have one last question for you. Okay. What has been influencing you lately? Hmm. Um. I get a lot of clients, and this is this is a, a theme for me. I get a lot of clients who want their culture reflected in their home. And culture means different things to different people. I've had people say, you know, I want my sorority reflected in this space that we're doing. I've had people say, I want... Um, 
I want there to be a seat at the entry because in my culture, you know, you, you remove your shoes when you enter a home. I've had people say, I want these, um, these family heirlooms on display. And so I, I'm loving uh, the global influence in design. I'm loving how homes seem to be a little bit more personal. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not getting the trend seekers so much but anymore. I, I think that probably is a testament to you because as, as we've seen just with everything of your story, you owning who you are has been mm-hmm. amazing. Like that is your brand. So I think people yeah. relate with that. So you're influencing well, and another. I'm, well, that, that maybe I'm drawing those people to me, but I do, I'm, I'm really influenced by what the, the client's story, like mm-hmm. what, what their home really is going to mean for them is really what now I think is driving my design aesthetic uh, more so than what's, you know, what's hot and what's on trend. I love that. It's getting deeper into the story and the personal. Mm -hmm. Well, Cheryl, thank you so, so much for sharing your story. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. And I can't wait to see you again at the next market. And make sure if you are not following Cheryl, dwell by Cheryl, you will not regret it. And I will see you guys in our next episode. Bye. Thanks. How good was that conversation? I mean, am I right or am I right? Cheryl is definitely someone who should be everyone's secret mentor because she is a testament to how being true to yourself following your passions, and putting in the work can manifest into something truly amazing. Right out the gate, she imparts on us the importance of celebrating yourself, putting a pause on goal setting and goal chasing to appreciate your accomplishments thus far. Not enough of us truly celebrate ourselves, and Cheryl is definitely someone who's had a lot to celebrate, all of which we can learn from. We hear the value in sharing who we are as people and as designers and how that can attract the right type of partners and clients. We hear how partnering with brands that may not necessarily be the largest can yield large opportunities, especially as you grow together. We hear about how all skills can be transferable skills. And we hear how mentorship is a pivotal and necessary part of growth. Gem after gem after gem. While listening, be sure to take a screenshot and tag not only us at The Design Influence, but also Cheryl at Dwell by Cheryl. Share what your favorite gem from today's episode was. What did you learn in this hour of basically podcast mentorship (laughs) from Cheryl, because let's be honest, that's what this was. What did you learn? What really changed your perspective? And how did she influence you today? You can find Cheryl at all the places under Dwell by Cheryl, but you can also head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash podcast for all of the show notes, including where to find her, more details on her amazingly beautiful Bow by Cheryl Luckett collection. And if you are going to be at High Point Market next week, assuming you're listening to this in real time, if you're going to be at High Point Market next week, 
you can also catch Cheryl debuting the spring collection of the Belle by Cheryl Luckett collection for Sylvester Alexander. Thank you again for hanging out with me today, and I will catch you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. I don't want to just leave it here, so let's keep the conversation going over on Instagram at The Design Influence or on the Facebook page, The Design Influence. To dig in a little bit deeper into today's episode, you can head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash podcast for all of the show notes. But while you're listening, be sure to take a screenshot of the episode so that you can tag the design influence and let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What resonated with you? What made you go, oh snap, that's me. I needed this. I would love to know. And now go forth and create your influence and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.